In the entryway of our home is a large painting that greets me every morning before I go to work. It hangs above a piece of furniture, a small buffet where I keep my keys, my wallet, and my priestly items, like, uh, you know, my cross and my oil stock and my collar, so that as I literally gear up for the day, I can't help but to look up and see this painting. It's a pleasant scene, nothing spectacular about it, but it has over time become more meaningful for me. In the painting is a small town nestled in what looks to be the rolling hills of an Italian countryside, with a few of those tall and skinny evergreens scattered here and there. It appears to be springtime as some of the flowers in the field are in bloom as they're enjoying a sunny day with partly cloudy skies. But what catches your attention the most is what stands over all the one and two story buildings that are tightly clustered together. Something higher than any other structure in the town. And that's the steeple of a church. Now, it's not a cathedral, it's not towering over everything out of proportion. No, along with the town, it's a simple steeple, something that you would expect. But nevertheless, there she stands, quietly, among the comings and goings of everyday life, next to businesses and homes, through the days and the nights, season after season, present and stable, looking over the town. And so it makes me wonder, when the people of the town look up and see this steeple, what do they see? What comes to their mind? What kind of relationship do they have with this church? In fact, what is the church to them? For some, that steeple might be a relic from the past. You know, maybe this building has become a tourist attraction Come, take a gander at what our ancestors used to think was important. Look where they used to gather, where they used to worship a God we no longer believe is real. For others, that steeple might be a sign pointing a way out of this world. Indeed, there is a case to be made that many a church spire was constructed to point people to heaven. As if to say, we know the way out of this world, so come, make sure your ticket to heaven is properly punched. For others, that steeple speaks to social and political power. You can't get anything done in this town without being a member of this club. So make sure you are a member in good standing, more present in your pew than absent, in line with whatever taboos are currently in vogue here. And still for others, that steeple sits atop a shopping center, a one-stop shop for all sorts of spiritual goods and services, biblically-based guides for success in life, self-help therapies that will lift your spirits along with great inspiring music, religious roller coaster rides for your kids. If you want it, we got it. And so, yes, that one painting makes me wonder a lot of things. But all this wondering really boils down to one thing, and that's the question of the church. 
Who are we? What are we doing? What are we supposed to be doing? What should our relationship be to the world around us? And it makes me wonder in particular about All Saints. When the people of Jackson drive by and see our steeple, what do they see? What comes to their mind? What kind of relationship do they have with us? What is church to them? Jesus says something about this whole conversation that is really quite profound. You heard it a moment ago in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus says to us, you are the light of the world. Notice that he doesn't say, be the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. Now, that's a pretty big deal. It's a big deal because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when God created, the very first thing that he said was, let there be light. And there was light. Indeed, the Bible even speaks of God himself as light. At the beginning of 1 John, we come across this verse which says, This is the message we have heard and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. And then this God of light, as we know, sends his Son into the world to shine in the darkness. This is actually how John begins his gospel account. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was the light, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. According to John, the story of Jesus is a second creation account, a new creation account. God speaks his word again. He, he speaks his word made flesh, and there is light, which is why a bit later Jesus can say of himself, I am the light of the world. Here in a moment, when we recite the Nicene Creed together, we'll say these words about Jesus, that he is eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light. So yes, Jesus is the light of the world, and yet still he turns to us and says, you are the light of the world. Now, it's important for us to lean in and listen carefully to Jesus' accent here. Did you know he has an accent? Technically, he's not saying you are the light of the world. He's saying y'all. <laughs> y'all are the light of the world. He's, he's talking about this community of followers that he is presently forming, right? Recall that this is how Jesus' ministry began. As Jesus goes out and proclaims the arrival of God's kingdom, as he demonstrates this arrival by curing sickness and disease. At the same time, he's doing some serious recruiting. Simon Peter, Andrew, James, John, you guys, follow me and I will make you community makers. For this kingdom that is upon us requires a community. And this community, by the way, consists of the most unexpected sorts of people. For as Jesus rounds up these newly minted followers of his for some instruction time for what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, the first thing Jesus says to them is that they are blessed. And we heard this last week. Blessed are you, poor in spirit. Blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are the meek. 
I don't know about you, but I like to imagine Jesus walking through the, the crowd here, you know, laying his hand on the heads of the poor as he says these words, and then on those who are in mourning and so forth. Blessed are you who are hungry. Blessed are you who are merciful, who are pure in heart. This is his growing crew, the people through whom the kingdom of God will come, the community that he now calls the light of the world. And by calling them light, Jesus is helping his followers to understand that they will represent to the world the true life of God's kingdom, what God has always intended for his creation when he spoke light into existence. In fact, in this same passage that we just heard read, Jesus goes on to say, remember, that he is the fulfillment of the law. That is, he is the the culmination of all that God has desired to do in and through Israel for the life of the world. And that desire is now coming true in Jesus and in this new community he is forming. As As the prophets From old foretold, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. Our service today began with similar words from the prophets. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Those words come from the prophet Isaiah and they are fulfilled, my friends, in us. Jesus has fulfilled the law in making us to be the light of the world. And yet, even though this is true, even though there is nothing that will dim our luminosity, there is still this admonition from Jesus not to hide our light under a bushel. Yes, we are the light of the world. Nothing changes that. But that privilege comes with a responsibility, which is why Jesus gives us this famous challenge that we've all heard before. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Mm. Here we are getting closer now to our question of the day. What is the world meant to think of us? What should our steeple communicate to those who drive by? If we as a church exist for the life of the world, what exactly does that mean? Well, according to Jesus, it means we are to be a community of good works. That's what Jesus says. We are the light of the world, so let your good works overflow for the world to see so that above all that's what our steeple in the sky should communicate yes yes i know good works really i mean good works that sounds so at odds with the gospel doesn't it i mean i thought that's what jesus overhauled in our life with god he made it all about faith Instead of works, right? Well, unfortunately, that's what a lot of people believe. So much so that many Christians, to many Christians, works is a bad word. (laughs) 
It smacks of that dangerous disease called works righteousness. So we, we better stay away from good works. Now, I suppose that if someone truly believes that they can pull their souls up by their own bootstraps and earn a place in God's kingdom on their own self-effort, well, then, yes, that, that needs to be called out. <laughs> but the gospel, my friends, is not at all about playing faith off of works. <laughs> in fact, the gospel is all about good works. Because the gospel is the good news that God is healing this world through Jesus and this new community that he is forming called the church. A community that is, in fact, created for good works. The entire Sermon on the Mount is about this, about Jesus creating a community of good works. The sermon begins with the call to let your light shine by doing good, and it ends with the very same exhortation when Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. That's the point. A community that does the good works of Jesus. Then you can draw a line from here all the way to the end of Matthew's gospel, where Jesus commands his followers to go and make disciples. First, by baptizing them, that is, bringing them into this community, and then second, by teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commands. In other words, the Great Commission is all about forming communities that do the work of Jesus, communities of good works. I mean, gee, we could then turn to the Apostle Paul, who at the beginning of arguably his greatest letter, the book of Romans, says that God appointed him a minister of the gospel in order to bring about what? Just faith? Just belief? No, may it never be. It was to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles. Did you catch that? The primary calling of Paul the Apostle is to form communities obedient to Jesus, communities of good works. Now, in the book of Ephesians, Paul does clarify this, doesn't he? When he says, now listen, now, it is, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift from God. It's not a result of works, but he says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see, we need not be afraid and scared of good works, for this is why we were created. Do you realize that? We are created to do good to others to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to our neighbors, and yes, as Jesus instructs us, even to our enemies. And yes, these works of love and justice must be an outworking of our character. And yes, our character must be slowly formed by the spiritual practices of the church. And yes, our efforts are worthless if they are not empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean, of course, it is all of grace, but that doesn't change the fact that we are a community that must be known for our good works. Are we known for our good works primarily? Or are we known for something else? 
You might not realize this, but we have 20 people in our inquirers group right now. 20 people asking questions about our church and our tradition, about our history and polity, about our common worship. It's one of my favorite things to do, to help folks learn the Anglican way of following Jesus. And part of the allure, I mean, part of what we are known for here in Jackson is our liturgical tradition. You know, our our observance of the church calendar, our, our rituals and ancient prayers and so forth. We love this. It's so valuable to us. But sometimes I wonder, is this what we are primarily known for? Is that what our steeple primarily communicates? Our reading from Isaiah this morning serves as a warning to us here. As it portrays the nation of Israel day after day, they're seeking to know God. They're delighting to know his ways. They're good to follow their liturgies, practice their fast days, offer their sacrifices. But something's off here. And so God, they cry out, why do we fast but you do not see us? Why do we humble ourselves but you do not even notice? And God replies, look, you serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, he says, you you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of injustice? To let the oppressed go free? To share your bread with the hungry? To bring the homeless poor in your house? In other words, Israel, you have forgotten. You have forgotten that you are the light of the world. You have forgotten that you are created to be a community of good works. Then and only then will your light break forth like the dawn. Then and only then will healing spring up in your midst. Only when you let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Friends, the world is watching us. They see our steeple. They hear about our liturgies. They sense that something is different about us. May that something different be the saltiness of our lives, the love for our neighbors, the care we offer to the hurting and to the wounded in our midst. May the world know that All Saints Anglican Church, first and foremost, is a community of good works. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that because of your Son, Jesus Christ, you have made your church the place where you dwell on earth. And you change us and you transform us as we deepen our life in you. And yet you change us and you transform us so that we may be a picture to the world of what your heart is for your creation. We pray that we would open ourselves up to your spirit so that we might be a community created for good works, that we would be intentional to be known 
as a community that loves and cares for those around us in our community uh, that are in the darkness. Thank you for making us the light of the world and help us by your grace to shine that light into the world. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.